the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives captives free. Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Give up a chance. Give up your heart. Love never fails. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We're in the studio today with a very special guest who's come from far, far away. I actually um, was going to travel there about 21 hours away from at least the plane ride I was looking at. Um, and she comes to us from South Africa. I have with me today Kirsten Hornsby. Uh, welcome to the show, Kirsten. Thanks so much, Vanessa. It's great to be here. Yeah. So let me tell the uh, listening audience a little bit about you, why you're here, why you've come from so far away, and why we're we're graced to have you here. Um, first off, I want to give a shout out to Alameda County District Attorney Heat uh, Program, Heat Office. Uh, we have a new leader there, Solomon Masood, who is uh, doing some great work there as, as sort of transitioning. The guard is transitioning from Robin Libinson, who has been doing an amazing job over the past couple of years, and now she's handed off to Solomon, who is taking on um, a variety of projects, all of the great work that Heat is doing, um, as you all know, but also hosting our guest today, Kirsten Hornsby, who is the national director of an organization called Love Justice International, um, which actually grew, um, is, is from, is a organization that is based in South Africa, and she has been working since the inception of that organization to really bring awareness uh, to the people of South Africa and to people across the globe about this epidemic of human trafficking. Um, Kirsten uh, just has a a great background here, having worked for the last, looks like the last seven years or so, uh, fighting uh, in a variety of social justice um, arenas um, over at the Justice Acts International Organization there for about a year, look, working on some local outreaches, moving over to National Freedom Network, where she was responsible for the strategy uh, and um, uh, stakeholder relation um, uh, engagement, as well as a variety of other things that really um, help with impacting South Africa in their counter-trafficking efforts. And of course, 
The other cool thing on your bio here is that you are the Mandela Washington Fellow. You're a Mandela Washington Fellow awarded this year. And you were in Miss South Africa a few years ago. You were one of the finalists. That is so cool. So, so tell me, welcome again. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad to have you on the show. Um, tell me again, uh, a little bit about why. So you're, you're obviously focused, uh, on this issue of human trafficking and social justice. Um, tell me where, when that started. Where did that start for you? Well, Vanessa, I think. You know, personally, over my life, I've really been exposed to so much injustice. Like South Africa is a very different context to here in the United States. I mean, back home, we have, I think it's the highest level of inequality in the world. We have really people living in in desperate poverty. And, you know, Africa as a continent faces so many different challenges. And what I've seen in my communities back home, and you might see it here in the U.S. as well, is when people get overwhelmed by need, by the need around them, normally the response is to just shut off and pretend problems aren't happening. Yeah. Um, I think personally, because I've always been very aware of those challenges and had a personal desire to get involved in some way, I, I really started looking to be, okay, well, where is the right fit for me? And I just remember the first time I heard about trafficking and its prevalence in South Africa, it's really something that broke my heart in a very big way. Mm. Um, Yeah. And then also coupled with the fact that at that time, particularly nothing was being done to address trafficking. Yeah. You know, even now we have such a long way to go. I mean, especially comparatively to the great um, systems and processes you have here in your county, mm-hmm. it really just makes me realize how much longer of a journey we have to walk until we can properly service the victims we have back home. Well, and so tell me a little bit uh, about what you've seen yourself. Have you, uh, is it common? So in, in here in Alameda County, you could go to a couple different places, which we call tracks or blades where people are being sold. Um, you will very commonly, especially like on a weekend evening, uh, you will see uh, young people being sold on any given night. Um, and certainly, you know, the preponderance of ads, online ads where people are being sold is, is very, you know, prevalent now. Uh, is that also the, the, the way that it looks in South Africa? I think if we were to look at sex trafficking in particular, um, we, we do see similar type of things happening. We, we would have certain areas that are kind of the unofficial red light districts okay, of certain cities. Um, But it doesn't really stop there. So we have everything from like really like low level, um, like township based prostitution where it's really very poor women, especially um, orphan children that get exploited for next to nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. often exploiters would pay one or two dollars to exploit a child there all the way up to your very high profile escort agencies that recruit victims from, you know, Asia and Eastern Europe. Um, so there's a very wide spectrum of of exploitation that happens in South Africa, which obviously makes it quite a difficult thing to fight. Yeah, and I think I think you're going to see sort of a similar approach here. I was just wondering if it was 
um, as relevant or as uh, as visible, I should say. And then, of course, the the the, the amount that people are paying is quite different, right? Um, one to two hour, uh, two dollars um, to exploit a child is just horrific. Um, are you finding that in South Africa there's a absolutely um, um, there's a huge uh, uh, existence of cyber sexting, cyber uh, human trafficking, cyber trafficking occurring in you know a variety of like in Asian countries? Um, I've seen several um, documentaries and heard several testimonies from the Philippines, from Thailand, of people one year old children. Uh, as young as one year old um, being exploited online, are you also seeing um, some of that going on in South Africa, or have you come across cases like that? There have been a few cases that have been identified back home, more you know, on, along the lines of child pornography, things like that. But unfortunately, I think we haven't even scraped the tip of the iceberg. I think okay. that there's so much more going on that we haven't been able to identify. Um, I'm not sure if it's as prevalent as it would be in the US or Asia, just because, you know, the digital divide is still a very big reality where people don't have the, the same devices. type of access to technology as to what you would see here. Mm-hmm. So we do see a mix, um, depending on which areas you're based in, where you have, you know, technology-based recruitment or even exploitation. But then you have other areas where it's much more traditional, where there'll, there'll be a, a brothel where children will be held or where the children are actually forced to solicit on the street. Wow. So um, we're going to take a break in just a second, but just um, thinking a bit about, and actually I'm curious, so when you became aware of human trafficking, was that when you started here in 2013, the Justice Acts in National Work, or had you been aware of it prior? I think I had had a very basic level of awareness of trafficking before, but I think what happened for me in 2013 is it was a combination of hearing about trafficking and then coupled with an immediate opportunity to get involved. Mm. So back then we got involved with reaching out to women um, in one of the most violent, impoverished areas in the country and really just seeing the level of exploitation that these women were exposed to um, really is what birthed my passion to fight human trafficking. Mm. Is um, Is there a particular story that really pricked your heart to begin a a single story. And, and, and you know what? Let, let's take a break because I'd love to uh, come back in with with uh, with a little bit more time to understand. Like for me, there clearly was, you know, my student, my dance student is the first person that I um, personally experienced being exploited. In it, and obviously it changed my life forever. And so um, if there's that kind of story for you, I'd love the listening audience to hear more. So we're going to come right back. And thanks all for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with Kirsten Hornsby. She is the National Director of Love Justice International. 
and also a Mandela Washington Fellow. Um, and this is a, a variety of other wonderful things that she's doing really to bring awareness and to bring um, to bring action and activism in the area of human trafficking. Um, so we before the break, we were talking about what what is that one story that uh, really, uh, if there is one, you know, it may not have happened for you that way. But as I was sharing, uh, my first um, foray into this issue of human trafficking was um, witnessing and experiencing my very own dance student uh, who was 15 at the time in 2010 um, being uh, raped and then exploited for over a year in the Bay Area. And um, and so do you have a story? Do you have a uh, something that you were exposed to that really woke you up? I, I think the answer to that is definitely yes. Mm-hmm. Um Look, I mean, I've been exposed to quite a few different stories of human trafficking throughout my my career, if I can say that. But the first one that I came across was when we started to do um, street outreach to women who worked in in prostitution. And I met this lady named Nadia, and she was the same age as me, um, you know. And so it was very interesting to see the path that her life had taken, Um, you know, us growing up in the same country. She... She was 24 at the time. Um, She had a second grade education. She had been addicted to drugs for the last 14 or so years of her life. And she was first trafficked when she was eight years old. So just to see where her life was, you know, so far down the road after being trafficked and just the total devastation that that had caused her was the most heartbreaking thing I'd ever seen, Mm. you know. To try and assist her at that point and restore and undo the trauma that she had experienced was something that I, I couldn't really see that was possible. Um, and that just really made it clear to me that the last thing I'd ever want is for someone to get into that process to begin with, you know, right. because the cycle of trauma that that causes is really severe. Right. It's really, really severe. And yeah. so I think it was just really Nadia's story and seeing the, the, devastating effects of trafficking that first broke my heart for this issue. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just having that firsthand experience, it does something to you. It's like it's you cannot um, turn away from it. You cannot just forget Nadia, you know, exactly. And she's with you now. And so what a gift that that she's given uh, not only to you, but to all of us, because because of her. Uh, suffering, um, you're now here uh, spreading the word and getting and advocating for others. So thank you for responding to that apathy or to the apathy that you saw uh, empathetically and um, loving her and others enough to do the work that you do. So here you are today. You are, are now, are you the founder of Love Justice International? No, so Love Justice International is actually uh, a U.S. started organization. Okay. Um, so it was started out of Lincoln, Nebraska, mm-hmm. and uh, the founder now lives and works in Nepal. <sighs> so our organization's biggest operation is along the Nepal and India border, mm-hmm. where they actively work to prevent girls that are in the process of being trafficked. So you've, you know, you've got a 15-year-old girl that has been approached by a man from India, either being offered a job or marriage. Mm-hmm. And so this girl, very young and naive, goes with this man across the border and ends up being sold into brothels. Um, 
And, you know, when, when that first came to the attention of the founders who had first gone there to start children's homes, right? Uh, really just saw the extent of the injustice mm. and the effectiveness of the strategy that they, they put together. So I think up to date, they've intercepted over 13,000 victims of trafficking wow. worldwide. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's um, awesome. So. Yay! So great! It's yeah. so great. And what is the what what kind of uh, how do they prevent that from happening? So what they do is they find uh, key strategic transit points mm-hmm. where victims would be trafficked through. So whether it's a bus stop, a border post, train station, any place that they know is linking a key source area with a key destination area. So in Nepal, they have over 120 different border monitoring stations where they look out for girls that are in the process of being trafficked. Hmm. Um, Where I'm from, it looks a bit different. I was tasked to set up a similar uh, operation within our international airports. So we have we work in partnership with the equivalent of Homeland Security, mm-hmm. and we conduct screenings for victims that are traveling uh, into and out of South Africa. And you do that right there at the airport or wherever the the uh, point of transport is? Yes. So if you were to travel through an airport when you pass through immigration, yes. um, right at the counters, we work in partnership with immigration to screen victims right there. Mm, wow. That is so amazing. And so you are there during business hours or how does that work? So we do have a full-time team that are there depending on the flight schedules. So we have uh, high-risk flights that we'll make sure we have staff on site for. And we also have a, a response number. So if any airline official, immigration official, police official comes across uh, human trafficking indicators, which we've now trained them to identify, they can call our team and we'll have someone immediately drive out to do an assessment or do an assessment over the phone. Um, wow. But our, our main strategy is being on site, in person, tangible interviews um, to assist that person then and there. Wow. Well, um, so two things. One is uh, that is amazing. I love that idea. And it, it really does uh, remind me of what um, Bay Area Anti-Human Trafficking Coalition has been doing uh, in partnership also with with uh, the district attorneys in various counties, um, uh, Nancy O'Malley being one. Um, also, they, they've partnered with um, San Jose, Santa Clara County, and I believe Sacramento County to do TSA um, education and there have been just just the point educating people like Uber drivers, educating and I'm talking locally here, educating Uber drivers, educating TSA agents, um, bankers. I've done a, quite a bit of education of, of the in the financial industry um, and, you know, alerting people as to what to look for. Um, you know, either it's money laundering or it's, you know, the places that they're going and they're coming from or it's the ways in which they're paying for their transactions or it's just a simple noticing that a child looks afraid as they're being, you know, uh, toted somewhere that they where they have no idea where they're going. Right. Um, how many people have you intercepted? In, in in South Africa. So in South Africa, I'm not sure what our current numbers are because, uh, you know, I've been away for a few weeks now, but we were above, I think it was nearing the 300 mark. Wow, um, that is yeah, amazing. In two and a half years of operation. So for a small team, um, it really is, it's great results. And look, I mean, we, we do have very dedicated, very passionate people. And we also have a government department that's really come alongside us and, and partnered with us in a way that I don't think has ever been done around the world before. Um, so that we're really grateful for. 
And uh, yeah, yeah, the fact that you guys have been able to influence the government in that way is tremendous. That's like half the battle, I think, half the time. And so so there's been that um, that point of interception. What happens with the girls uh, or guys? Is, are boys also being intercepted? Definitely. So okay. we intercept both potential cases of, of sex trafficking and labor trafficking. Uh-huh. And it would really depend on the case. So at our point of interception... Often the person has been deceived into a false job or a false marriage, but they haven't seen any form of exploitation yet. So there's no, not yet any trauma to undo, which is what makes this model so great. Yes. So if that's the situation, if it's just someone in South Africa has lured them through a false job offer, then the easiest thing to do is to send that person home and to prosecute the, the trafficker inside South Africa. Gotcha. Um, if there's a situation where the person's really at risk and we believe that if we send them home, they'll be in danger, um, then we arrange for placement through our social services where that person can receive the services that are on offer in the country. So you do have housing and things like that that you can pr- bring to bear? Yes, yes. So oh, very good. It, it would be a referral system um, mm-hmm. because our focus is mainly on interceptions, but there are definitely those services if they are needed. Gotcha. Well, that um, that is a beautiful end to end process, right? One one of the things that um, pains me, I think, um, in some areas, I think we do a really good job of this in Alameda County, but uh, we spend a lot of time intercepting people, and then we have nowhere for them to go, and that really is a broken system because rescue is not enough. There has to be a place for. Um, for people to um, to go, especially once they've been exposed to trauma, absolutely, yeah. and or uh, to your point, er, your earliest point, which is what there are vulnerability factors that are causing them to be vulnerable to these false jobs, and so if they're going home and there's nothing to eat, um, there's no shower, there's no you know, there's no bed to lay your head. Um, what are we really sending them home to? Or they have an abusive, alcoholic, drug addicted. Um, parent um, that's beating them and so on. What are we really sending them home to, right? Is that really an alternative that makes sense? So we're going to go on to a break, but when we come back, um, I'd love to talk some more about partnerships that you have there in and what what's where, where are the gaps things that you need um, my prayer is that today uh, what we're talking about you can even broadcast this um, to folks that are in South Africa and bring about more community and more um, uh, unity uh, so that you can do even more of this great work you're doing so we'll be right back uh, as always uh, we want to encourage you to uh, reach out to us if you have questions um, make sure that you're in the loop on different events that we have going on in the community. And you can do that by going to our website at loveneverfailsus.com. You can also jump on our Facebook page, which is Love Never Fails. And um, of course, you're always welcome to email me. That's Vanessa at loveneverfailsus.com. And lastly, if you want to give us a call, let's say you are in need of services, uh, housing, mentoring, um, job training, give us a call. We're at 844-249-2698. We'll be right back. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action 
and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in studio uh, uh, today again with Kirsten Hornsby, who is the National Director of Love Justice International and specifically the South Africa branch. And we're so excited to have her here with us today. We're learning all about this uh, uh, incredible work that she has been doing, uh, intercepting vulnerable uh, young ladies, young men at um, at transporta- points of transportation throughout uh, South Africa, and uh, we are so, again so grateful for this work. So, so talking a little bit about you, you said that you make referrals to other agencies for housing. I'm sure. Um, and uh, actually, I was talking with Emily as we were preparing for this time together, and she was sharing with me a little bit about your chat with her. And you were you. I'll try to paraphrase what she shared, but um, she said that you you know you you would like to see more services brought to bear and there's a lot of gaps in the 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 lineup of things that people need right and so tell us about what those gaps are so that our listening audience can be thinking about how they can help great yeah so i think the biggest challenge we face in human trafficking specifically is that it's not a very high government priority um, which means there hasn't been a lot of resources that have been spent by government um, to offer services to victims. And so just to give you an idea, the only real service that we have available for victims would be um, about a three-month placement in a, a shelter mm-hmm. as well as some primary health care services. You know, there's really nothing available when it comes to, um, you know, psychological rehabilitation, any of the services around that. Um, there's very few um, opportunities for people to get job skills training or any type of reintegration. And so, unfortunately, what we end up seeing is, yes, we get a victim out of a situation. And yes, we provide her f- with relatively short-term care. But what is really awaiting that victim on the other side? Like, how do you restore um, that person from all the trauma that they've gone through. And because it's not really within government's capacity at the moment to to provide these services, um, it's really left NGOs to carry a lot of, uh, a lot of that uh, responsibility. Um, and just to give you an idea of why that is, is South Africa has an extremely high unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. And so... About 8% of the population, give or take, qualifies to pay tax. Mm. So you have this tiny tax base to provide education, healthcare, infrastructure, everything government is meant to provide in a very complex, very difficult society. Um, So there really just isn't much money that government can invest to provide these services. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, that really passes the mantle to NGOs and even private companies to try and step in to provide these things that where government is uh, not able to. I have a philosophical question for you, and I I often think about this um, just in, uh, you know, people who uh, have lived for thousands of years in poverty. And I ask myself and I take it to my, you know, I, I, I'm a praying woman and, you know, I, I ask, why is this? Why are the, why are certain groups of people uh, uh, oppressed? And, um, you know, what, what, what needs to change here? And so I'd love to get your take, you know, just philosophically speaking, uh, why do you think that is that there's 92% 
of the of the population that is not able to contribute to taxes and and what do you think needs to be done to address that? Wow, that's a very big question and uh, wow, it, it's a really difficult thing to grapple with. You know, living on a continent where you know relative to the other 50 plus countries on the continent, South Africa is doing extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have hundreds of millions of people living in this situation and many people are living without hope. Yeah. You know, because how do you find a pathway out of poverty? How do you um, get to a point where not that you're contributing to society, but at least you can provide for your family? Um and honestly, I don't have an answer of why things are that way. Mm. You know, it shouldn't be that way, definitely. And But if I look at where does the solution now lie, you know, who has the power to do things about that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's people that have privilege. It's mm-hmm. people who've got access, people who've got education and resources. Yeah. They can go and reinvest and create opportunity for people who don't. Um, and to be honest, the U.S. has played quite a pivotal role in development throughout the continent and you know, even though we still have a long way to go, it's it's really interests like that, you know, through agencies like USAID or other foreign development organizations that can just try and create that opportunity and bridge that divide. Um, because in South Africa, we are one of the most unequal societies in the world where you have a very small concentration of people that have extreme wealth, mm-hmm. you know, and many people argue, including myself, that race is a huge determinant, you know, especially Mm -hmm. with a history of apartheid. I'm not sure how much you're aware of South African history, but, you know, there's a lot of restoration that needs to be done um, for Africa in general, but specifically um, South South African people of color. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's kind of where I was going at it as I was thinking about it, just in general, historically, why, you know, I've I've asked the question, why have um, African-Americans um, you know, Africans um, uh, at such a larger percentage been impacted by human trafficking, by poverty, by lack of education, by oppression. And, you know, the only point of correlation that I can see is obviously their skin um, color and because uh, South African couldn't be more different than an African-American. There's a, a huge cultural difference there um, uh, or, or you know, a Nigerian who's living in a, you know, in on the countryside, um, you know, versus an African-American. And yet these these uh, commonalities persist. And so it really has gotten me thinking about um, how well does that divide work, you know, in the long run of, you know, having a few people that are very well off. Uh, extremely well off, and then this preponderance of others that are not, and that 8% tax base being used to care for the remainder instead of equipping those 92% um, and and sharing some of the wealth Mm -hmm. with those 92% to actually be able to fish for themselves and to, um, you know, and to be self-sustaining. Um, but I just, it really, I just want to say yeah. just on, on that, that is on the current government's major priority. Good. You know, it's it's okay. job creation. It's also, there's quite a lot of pressure t- for land, land redistribution. You know, mm. historically, um, land has been concentrated in the hands of, of white farmers, yeah. uh, white landowners, and that has 
really added to this perpetual cycle of poverty where because the poor don't have any assets where they can grow crops or even use that to get a bank loan, it's really just, yeah, it's perpetuated the cycle. That's really helpful. I think, and that's kind of where I was going is, you know, what are the levers, specific Mm. levers that need to be pulled? And I love this, you know, I know there's a huge movement in Uganda and Ghana as well to get farmland given to uh, farmers so that they can grow coffee and and different, you know, agricultural goods uh, to, uh, as you said, you know, provide for their families and create a, a, a legacy, a long standing sustainable legacy for their co- community. So. Um, so land dis- redistribution is is top of mind then for um, Johannesburg and, and the surrounding country, uh, uh, areas there in South Africa. Definitely. So it's land distribution, but I think really the, the primary tool and lever that we can use is education. Education, um, yeah. If we can give people in South Africa quality of education where they can see pathways to success, where they know how to to enter into those pathways and, and achieve then I think we are going to see quite a lot of radical reformation, you know. Yeah, and I, I couldn't be more. I mean, I'm a huge proponent of education. And and two pieces right to that is like education and then go, going back. Get educated, go back. Get educated, go back. I myself am a product of uh, poverty. Uh, you know, I have been in foster care. I have been highly abused as a uh, as a young person. And now I'm an executive at Cisco and, you know, and a founder of a nonprofit that is going back to find the people that are like me uh, that that are waiting for me to go back. And I think that is really important. Don't just, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I have my degrees from UCSF and I have my all of my fancy little acronyms after my name. But that means nothing to me if I'm not sharing them with the people that are behind me. Okay, we're we're, going to take a break. I was getting ready to start preaching there. (laughs) Oh, this is so much fun. I'm just having a great time with you, Kristen, uh, Kirsten, rather, and uh, appreciate you and uh, educating all of us on what we can do to come alongside you there in South Africa. We're going to come back and learn a little bit more. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio again with Kirsten Hornsby, who is the National Director of Love Justice International and also a 2018 Mandela Washington Fellow. Uh, we are grateful to have you on the show. We're having a really, I think, honest dialogue here about the different social dynamics that are going on, not only in South Africa, but in the in in many countries. Yeah. You know, I just came yeah. from a four uh, four country tour of Europe, and uh, I brought my my ten year old and eleven year old with me, and. Um, and I asked them to kind of look around and, 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 and look around and see who's here and who's living in poverty and who's having a hard time and what are the kinds of things that they need. And I was like, I was shocked. Um, just, you know, for the listening audience who may not like travel to Paris, but, um, tons of Nigerian, uh, tons of, uh, folks from Africa in Paris speaking 
French that were in poverty, like tons. And, um, you know, uh, they're at the Eiffel Tower selling all of the keychains, um, which I kept wondering, is this a labor trafficking ring? Because <laughs> there's like like tons of guys out here with the keychains shaking them at you. And each of the keychains is like you can get five for one euro uh, and they're out there all day. And they were all from Africa. And uh, I thought, you know, wow, this is um you know, they're here. Euros are uh, uh, at the time the exchange rate was one point sixteen one dollar sixteen cents for every U.S. dollar. Um, so, you know, not the most um, the least expensive place to live. And they're, they're coming here to try and make another way uh, for themselves. And, you know, I kept thinking, why them? Why is it so hard for them to um, to make a way? And some of the things we were talking about during the break um, really uh, sit sit with me in terms of our own, how we can personally jump in on this, because it's really easy to have a philosophical conversation and be like, oh, this is horrible. These people don't have enough to live. And, you know, this is ba- this is bad. And those of you who are on, the, you know, on, who are listening, who are praying people, let's pray for them. But we don't that doesn't translate into our behaviors. We don't take it into our behaviors. And so I knew that I was sold out for this when I decided that if I needed to walk away from my six figure salary to do this work, then I would do it. And I'm just waiting for uh, the right time to, to do that when I'm I'm released from my six figure salary. Um, and that's OK for me, like I because I ha- I know what my purpose is here. And um, and and so. I just sometimes I feel like um, we've got to translate all the talking, you know, like I say, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. And let's let's put our money where our mouth is, our time where our mouth is and um, not necessarily do what I'm doing because everybody has their own little thing. But, you know, how can you know, how can someone I'm thinking, how can someone who's in South Africa right now um, and living a privileged life? How can they actually contribute to what you're doing? Well, if we look at South Africa in in particular, I think the first thing to do, you know, coming from a, a middle class or privileged background back home is just choose an issue. Choose something that you feel has been burdened on your heart and find ways to contribute and get involved. Don't be overwhelmed and realize that, you know, not every issue is yours to fight. Because I think that's a problem. You yeah. know, when you see a hundred different problems and you feel like, well, if I have to fight one, I have to fight it all. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that, so I'm not even going to try. And so I think it's to break free of that mindset and realize that, you know, I believe that you've been called for a specific purpose mm-hmm. and you need to follow through with that. You know, yeah. because you, particularly, like if I, if I look at the way that my life's gone, I'm very grateful to be able um, to make the positive impact in the world that we are. Um but, you know, if, if, we, if we zoom out from South Africa, I just want to really emphasize the fact that the 13,000 lives that Love Justice has been able to save yeah. has been fully funded by American people. Wow. You know, and it's the American Woo-hoo! people. Yeah. Yay! Give yourself a round of applause. It's, it's, yeah. it's through that compassion and knowing that, you know, 
America has a high concentration of wealth. I know it doesn't always feel that way, mm-hmm. but uh, your, you know, those contributions can directly go to addressing some of these massive injustices. And it's because of generosity and compassion here that we're able to do what we do back home. Yeah. Um, so just to emphasize that it's actually really easy to play your part. You don't have to fly across the world and be on the front lines. You, you know, you just have to put a sword in our hands. Right. And that's what people have been doing. So thank you, uh, American people, for supporting our work. It's really amazing. Amazing, amazing. And, you know, it's so good to just kind of focus, too, on um, one of the things that I realized in all of this is if you're supporting, like some of you may be um, – Supporting a child, um, you know that that is ha- happens a lot. Like with World Vision, you know, you're, you're you've adopted a child and you're writing letters to that person. You might be thinking, "I'm not fighting against human trafficking." Yes, you are. You're preventing that child from being vulnerable uh, to um, to the, the 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 being preyed upon because now they have something to look forward to and a way to stay home with their parents and their family, and they don't have to be out. You know, I think I was reading an article that said that. Um, uh, that many children in Africa have to look for water for eight to 12 hours a day, just looking for water. I mean, how much more effective could that person be if they spent those eight to 12 hours a day um, getting an education? And so we think about that. It's funny, one time, um, now you're going to think I'm a terrible mom, but I remember one time I, I had my 10-year-old daughter who's who's really, she's going to be an actress. I just want you to know. Um, I'm marking, marking it right now. But she uh, she was like going through it. She was having a hard day. And, you know, she has her own room and she has all these nice things. And she's like, I don't, I'm so bored. I don't have anything to do. And I said, oh, yeah? Okay. So I pulled up a video on YouTube of a young girl her age that had to walk for 10 hours to get water for her family. And I said, today we're going to have an exercise. You're actually going to stand in place uh, and you're going to walk for 10 hours in place in this air-conditioned house. And you're not having any water or any food. But You're already privileged because you're walking on carpet with some shoes on in an air-conditioned house with some clothes on your back that are clean, right? And you have some food in your belly to work with. So now you're going to stand there for 10 hours. And I let her think she was like, no, she's she she walked for 45 minutes in place and she was crying and carrying on and this and that 10 hours. I can't do that. And I said, OK, you can stop. But you get the point now. Right. I don't ever want to hear that you're bored. Um, and so she you know, obviously she's said it since then. But we go back to as soon as it's, I'm bored. Do we need to get that video out? Just let me know. <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, sometimes I think we even adults we yeah. can get in these woe is me places. And look, I, I, the one thing I've realized is, you know, there are definitely challenges in the U.S. Yeah. You know, also in your your own community, there are real challenges here. But like the level of of poverty um, that we see back home yeah. is really it's. It's it's extreme and it's it's very overwhelming. Yes, and I think uh, if you're not exposed to that, like if I'm not exposed to that, mm-hmm. I, I would have the the temptation to think that my life is difficult. Yeah, you know. But when you really see the difficulty that other people have to go through, 
um, you know, not only should you be grateful for what you have, but you should try and alleviate their suffering as well. And I think uh, that's what you're trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. That's at, in essence what we're all here for. Yes. Um, and so my point of encouragement is just to say, what are you here for? You know, yeah. not just to fight human trafficking, but what issue is it that you are best positioned um, to fight? That's and right. how can you do it in the most effective way that is suitable to your skill set? And just run with that. Absolutely. Well, thanks for saying that. I think people are listening are listening because they care and they want to they want to know how they can make a difference. And and so um, absolutely uh, praying for everyone um, that is hurting there, um, providing of your finance, if you're local, providing of your time, um, reaching out. Is there a way that people can reach out to you uh, to learn more? If you want to find out more about Love Justice, um, you can visit our website at lovejustice.ngo. Awesome. And, uh, uh, of course, if they want to get in touch with you, they can email you through that, that, yeah, that page. Yeah, there will be a contact point on the website. Otherwise, my email is kirsten at lovejustice.ngo. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, you heard it here. Uh, there are some practical ways that you can get involved. And, um, of course, uh, just thanking those of you who are already doing that uh, in some way, uh, recognizing that not everyone is necessarily called to fight against human trafficking. But can we help a child in our community to um, become more aware of their own privilege and maybe even work with them to do something cool to help someone who's not quite as privileged as they are? Okay, we'll, we'll come right back. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit Love Never Fails failsus.com Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. And again, we are in the studio with Kirsten Hornby. And I've been saying Hornsby the whole time. And it's Hornby. I'm so sorry. Thank you for being on the show. Of course. It's been really great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How long was your flight, by the way? Uh, too long. Too yeah. long. It was 16 and a half hours to Atlanta. And then from Atlanta to here, I think it was another... 12 hours with a five-hour layover in between. So. Wow. You see, I wasn't lying. 21-ish. Whoa. Crazy. Thank you again. We really appreciate having you. And uh, I, I hope that um, you will see um, more, even more support. And thank you for the work that you do. Uh, we have some events going on in the community. Uh, Heat Watch has quite a few things going on. First off, uh, Labor Trafficking Task Force is going to have an event, a free event, on August 16th from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Family Justice Center. Also on August 18th, there is a medical uh, personnel symposium that's going on, and that is uh, 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 training people on the signs of human trafficking in the medical field. And that is going to be held in Piedmont from 9 to 3 p.m. Uh, and you can get more information on amwa-doc.org. And so go ahead and uh, join uh, the, the group there. And then, of course, we have some other events going on tomorrow. I'm going to be speaking at East Town Church. I'll be interviewed by Pastor Clint over there. Uh, shout out to you and your family and Claire. 
And uh, we're going to be talking about um, their new initiative called Love Local. Uh, they, too, went to Kenya, and their lives were forever changed. They have now this uh, heart for, uh, to fight against human trafficking and raise awareness in the San Ramon area. And so we are going to be out uh, talking some more uh, with with uh, his congregation there. So join me at Easttown Church at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. In addition, I will be out uh, in... Let's see here in Pleasanton at Kaiser for their violence prevention meeting on the 28th of August from one to two speaking uh, about this issue of human trafficking from a medical perspective uh, and and how we can prevent it. Uh, also invite you out for our street outreach reaching back actually to August 18th. Uh, that is midnight, uh, I'm sorry, 7 p.m. to midnight. And uh, re- reach out to Angela at streets at loveneverfailsus.com if you'd like to come out with us on our street, our monthly street outreach. And um, and then on the 26th of August, I'll be out at San Francisco Lighthouse Church. And I will be, uh, and that is 1337 Sutter Street in San Francisco. I'll be speaking on, uh, actually, I don't know what I'm going to talk about yet. I'm still praying about that. But um, come out and and be there. Uh, we're going to have one of our survivor leaders there singing. Uh, and uh, Erica, Erica Map, shout out to Erica. Um, Nine thirty and eleven o'clock in the morning, we'll be out there. So, looking forward to seeing you. And um, I just want to encourage you to come out and support us. Uh, we, you can become a member by going on to our website, loveneverfailsus.com forward slash. Uh, donate. You can also start a support group for survivors of human trafficking using my book, Fight for Love, and you can get that at loveneverfailsus.com forward slash shop. And uh, you can also uh, get involved with our community store uh, and uh, our mentoring program, a variety of other things uh, by just checking out our website and seeing how you can engage. And that's loveneverfailsus.com. And of course, last thing, we want to make sure that if you haven't heard it before from us, at least, Hopefully you've heard it at home, but if you've never heard it before, we want to make sure that you know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Give up a chance, give up your
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.